Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I just went into the office and just favor over here and opportunity over there. Just I mean, God just, just, you know, we all, most of us, I think, have experienced the favor, the blessing. God just, just lavishing upon you. And you know it's just God. You know it's not you, it's Him. Favor upon your life. And just as awesome as it is to just have His favor upon you, um, it's as awful to be walking in a way where it's like, man, there's nothing's worked. God, it's like God won't help me do anything. And I just want to look at their life and say, you know, look at how they were living. Many of us would be hard pressed to find a single person who doesn't appreciate being under the favor of the Lord. On the other hand, we'd probably find it just as difficult to find someone who appreciates not being under the favor of the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Bill discusses the importance of pursuing righteousness in your walk with the Lord. In his study, you'll learn that if life ever feels as though things are more difficult than normal, chances are there's compromise in your life. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers, chapter 20, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. You just study the nature of God. That's That's who he is. He loves you. He's the best kind of dad that there could ever be. He knows everything, he can do anything, and he loves you, cares about you, has a heart for you, is merciful towards you and your failings and your shortcomings, has made a provision that you can be forgiven when you blow it so that you can be made right with him again, gives you new opportunities, new slates, his mercies are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. I mean, God's like, I've given you every opportunity to have all of me that you want, because I love you guys. And so we want to be taking great, we want to take advantage of what the Lord has made available to us, Amen. He's a good God and he loves his people and we just have to choose him. He's chosen you already. It's a done deal. He chose you. He chose to love you. Just, I mean, God just chose to to, to put his love upon you. So we got to choose him back and surrender and yield and let him have his way in our lives. Amen. And so he tells them because they didn't believe, they didn't, they didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. That's why they did it. Um, because you, they didn't hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Um, you, you didn't hold me as holy. You didn't revere me before them. You misrepresented me to them. And like I said, parents, we want to beware of uh, our representation of the Lord to our kids. Um, and that's, I mean, all of us are going to be challenged to do that, but we want to do, we want to, we want to really do our best to represent the Lord well to our kids. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm the first leg. I'm the, I'm the first Christian. My parents, I mean, my kids get to take a good look at. I want to I want to be a good rep for the Lord. And we're all weak in some areas. And we all have our shortcomings, but we want to work on that, that they're looking at me. I'm, I'm, I'm first leg of example to them about what it is to be a Christian. I represent the Lord um, to me. I, I'm a dad. I'm a man. And I represent to my children. You know, what if they, I'm the first look at a father. I want to leave a good impression. I want to make it easy for them to look to the heavenly father and say, there's a heavenly father, even better than my earthly father. I want to make it I want to make it easy on them to look beyond me to their heavenly father. I don't want to I don't want to make it bad. I don't want to make it rough. I don't want them to look at me and say, there's a heavenly one of you, <laughs> you know, the more powerful one of those. You know, I want to we want to do our best. And, yeah, we're imperfect, um, but it's definitely something that we want to work on and let it be a goal that we strive to be the best we can. Uh, best example in any area God gives you leadership and influence, you want to do your best to be a good example for the Lord in those areas. And so moving on now, look at verse. Um, uh, it was verse 13. I didn't read. It says this was the water of Meribah. And that word Meribah means contention. 
because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and he was hollowed among them. And like I told you guys, Moses didn't hollow them before the people. So when God punished him and disciplined him, it's it's a then God was hollowed before the people. Um, you know, there was something there's something about holy discipline that caused people to fear as they looked at what God said to Moses and what God did to him. Uh, you guys that grew up in households where there were spankings. Uh, there was something about even when another kid got spanked, there was something about the purifying effect it had on everybody else. You know, I remember my sister might be the one getting the spanking, but after once the once the belt was out and hanging, my mom would hang them on the doors. You know, once once we was in belt mode, like we'd already took it to a level ten, the belt swinging. You know, it might be her getting a whooping, but you'd be amazed at how how it settled me down. Now I'm not bungling around no more. You know, I'm not I'm not jumping around anymore. You know, she's not gonna have to come in here and talk to me. You know, it, it is a purifying effect. Mom will be hollowed tonight. You know, she said, be quiet. Now there's whoopings jumping off. Uh, it, it had that impact on you, you know. And so here with Moses, you know, because he didn't hollow the Lord before the people, God punished him. And as a result, they saw what God did to him. And he's like, he's a leader. And they now they feared that God was hollow. He was he was revered in their eyes. And so God would get his glory. God would have his way. And so so God has his way here. Verse 14 now says, now Moses sent messengers. I'm sorry, before I, before I jump into this, this 14 through 17, there's going to be a little, uh, another, another episode that takes place. But so far, Miriam died. The children of Israel complain about the water. Moses misrepresents the Lord. Now he's put out. And I was just looking at, there's just a, just a sequence of just kind of, in a sense, negative things. Miriam, she dies and, you know, her last thing wasn't a good thing. Boom, she ends there. The people are complaining. Moses messes up. He gets told he can't get to go in. Boom. And now we have the children of Israel. They're going to get ready to go through a land. And they're just looking for some favor from the Edomites who are, they're actually related. And they're not going to get favor from the Edomites. And I, I, I'll just, I'll say that. I'll, I'll come to that when I come to this. Look at verse 14 to 17. It says, now Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom saying, thus says your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that has befallen us. How our fathers went down to Egypt and dwelt in Egypt. Um, and we dwelt in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. When we cried out to the Lord, he heard our voice voice and he sent the angel and brought us brought us up from out of Egypt. Now we're here in Kadesh, a city on the edge of your border. Please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or vineyards, nor will we drink water from wells. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. Then Edom said to him, you shall not pass through my land. Least I come out against you with the sword. So the children of Israel said to him, we will go by the highway. And if I or my livestock drink any of your water, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot. Nothing more. Then he said, you shall not pass through. So Edom came out against them with many men and with a strong hand. Thus, Edom refused to give Israel passage to his territory. So Israel turned away from him. So. Israel um, is descendant of Jacob. You guys remember Jacob had a twin brother named what? Esau. Esau, that's who the Edomites come through. Um, they had beef in the womb. If you guys remember, they were in the womb fighting. And she said, what is going on in my womb? And it says, two nations are inside of you and they're fighting. And even when Jake, when Esau came out, 
Jacob grabbed his heel. And um, that's the thing. Jacob literally means heel catcher or conniver. He was a shicey, conniving guy. But as he had his encounter with the Lord and the Lord touched Jacob, the heel catcher, the conniver, God renamed him Israel, governed by God. God changed that man from what he was into what he would, what he would be. But there's, there's this beef that the beef still exists here. So the Edomites say, no, you guys can't come through. And for the Israelites, this, this would have just been frustrating. It would have made it more difficult. And it just would have been, I'm, I'm looking at this thinking like, what's this here for? You know, what do we want to take away from this? Like why they wanted to go through, it would have been easier that they're finally trying to get going toward promised land. And now they got their, their brethren saying, no, you can't, you can't come through this way. Matter of fact, if you come through this way, I'm, they, they said they grabbed out people to go to war and said, no, we'll, 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 we're ready to fight y'all. Y'all not coming through our land. Y'all go some other kind of way. And I, there's one scripture. If you want to write it down, write down Proverbs chapter 16, verse seven. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And I'm looking at this group saying, you know what? Their ways haven't pleased the Lord. And so they're just not walking in any kind of favor at all. They're not right with God. And so God, I mean, even this thing that should have been kind of a simple thing. Hey, can I come through this? No, no, you can't. We'll kill you. Y'all will die. You know, come on, man. Can we please be brother? No. And I look at that and I just think, you know what? That's that's what life can be like for some people that are just living in rebellion. Just seem like nothing's working out. Anybody here has ever been in disobedience and you're a child of God and God has put his hand of discipline on you. And you just find everywhere you go, you're just knocking your head. Just difficult. Just not working out. There's just, there's just no favor anywhere. And you compare that to maybe some error or some season in your life where you walked in obedience. And there was just favor. And you just went and said, man, I just went into the office. and Just favor over here and opportunity over there. Just I mean, God just, just, you know, we all, I, most of us, I think, have experienced the favor, the blessing. God just, just lavishing upon you. And you know it's just God. You know it's not you. It's him. Favor upon your life. And just as awesome as it is to just have his favor upon you, um, it's as awful to be walking in a way where it's like, man, there's nothing's work. God, it's like God won't help me do anything. And I just want to look at their life and say, you know, look at how they were living. So much rebellion. They're, they're still complaining against the leaders. God's still giving them water out of rocks supernaturally. I mean, notice this. Moses misrepresented God and he struck the, right, the rock twice and he misrepresented God. But I just want to point out that God still gave the people water, right? God didn't punish them for his mistake. God's mercy upon this rebellious people that he still give them water. You guys are thirsty. Even though you complain, even though you're going about it the wrong way, I'm, I will make sure that you get water. And you're getting water supernaturally from a rock. So, again, my mind still looks at that and just says, like, I just think they would be in awe of God. Like, man, did God, look at his power that he could just, there's a rock and water's just coming out of the rock to, to sustain us. Um, but they're not in awe of God. And so I look at this and I just think I, I was reading that just thinking it's just kind of chunked in here. You know, the Edomites didn't let them go through. And that's what I take from it. You know, they're just walking in a very unfavorable way before the Lord. And so life's difficult. It's a grind. And we don't want to be there. You know, we want to be walking in the grace and the favor and the goodness and the sweetness as you just walk in obedience with God. So look at verse 22 now. It says, now the children of Israel, the whole congregation journeyed from Kadesh and came to Mount Hor. Now, I'm sorry, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in Mount Hor by the border of the land of Edom, saying, Aaron shall be gathered to his people, 
For he shall not enter the land which I have given to the children of Israel because you rebelled against my word at the waters of Meribah. So we know Moses is not going in. Now it says Aaron is not going to go in. It tells us basically that, that, that verbiage, Aaron's going to be gathered to his people, means that Aaron is going to die. But I do want to point this out because at death, everybody's going to be gathered to their people. And so the question should be asked, everybody here, who are your people? Right? Who are the people you're going to be gathered with? Aaron's going to be gathered with his people. Yep, he's not going to make it to the promised land, but Aaron is a believer. He'll be gathered with believers. Those are his people. Who are your people? Who are you going to be gathered with? And of just the many funerals I've been to, that I've done, that I've been over and everything else, you find out that at a funeral who somebody's people were. As people come up and they share and you hear about who their people were. And I've heard, as I shared last time, different stories, different times. You see people that and they're just a trail of, you know, faith and works and believers that are coming by. And you see other people that they're it's just testify. You see who their people were. One of the most remarkable funerals that I got to be a part of was there was a guy who he had died four months before the funeral was done. His family had turned against him because of his faith in Christ. He got saved, had a radical transformation, and his family just basically didn't deal with him. His sister called Calvary Chapel Downey. She called Vivian and said, you know what, I'm feeling terrible that my brother died and we haven't even done a funeral or anything for him. And I just I feel terrible and I feel like we should do something, a funeral. Would you guys help? And so we ended up I ended up getting a funeral and we said, yeah, we would do it. Um, And you start trying to fish information up about the guy. Can we find out about his life? And the sister had been estranged. She had not dealt with him. And she admittedly, this guy got saved and the family just didn't want anything to do with him. They didn't want anything to do with that life. And so I was curious, like, you know, who would come? You know, was this going to be like a five people funeral? Five people regretful about this guy's life. Um, this guy had gotten saved. He was a motorcycle guy. And so there was all these motorcycle guys that come. And if you judge a book by its cover... I'm thinking, here come the good old boys, you know, a bunch of motorcycle bikers with boots and leather. And I'm assuming other stuff. But these guys come up one by one. And this guy was part of a bike, a, a motorcycle club before he got saved. Then he got saved. And he had led all these guys in the motorcycle club to Christ. Then they changed the name of the motorcycle club. And that's what he had been doing. His last 10 years of life was ministering to guys in the motor, just in a different biker that 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 whole kind of arena ministering to guys. And as these guys came up, these rough, tough, rugged looking dudes come up one by one, sharing how this guy was so bold for the Lord and how he had led them to Christ. I was I was I mean, I thought it was awesome, you know, and I'm like, he's going to be gathered. That's his people. Right. It's so clear that their testimony of him. This man had met the Lord and some of them had met the Lord because of him. You know, I, I, I look at I, when I would I'd be a part of those sort of things. And I look at that and it's like, man, when we're all going to die one day, we want there to be a trail of people that we've led to the Lord, encouraged in the Lord, built up in the Lord, that that that's what you've left behind. The legacy you left behind is something where I was encouraging people and pulling people toward Jesus and telling them about the Lord and loving them in the Lord. And that's what's left behind. You know, you don't want to have a bunch of people come with, oh, he was so fun and we went to the club and we turned up and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, because because that would be evidence of who my people are. And so I would just point that out, even though Aaron dies here, he's going to be gathered to his people. His people are the people of the Lord. Uh, make sure that's who your people are. And that's everybody here. Check yourself. But make sure that those are your people. 
Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? Who are your people? I hope they are the people of God. So he's not going to get to go in. Verse 25, then it says, take Aaron and, and Eliezer, his son, and bring them up to Mount Or and strip Aaron of his garments and put them on Eliezer, his son, for Aaron shall be gathered to his people and die there. So it was going to be unfitting. Remember, Aaron had the garments of the priesthood and those are holy garments. Um, the, the priesthood is passed down. It's going to be passed down to his son, Eliezer. So Moses, who had initially given them, God said, now take them off him, strip them from him and put them on his son, because it would not be fitting that he should die in those garments. And again, I look at this and just think, wow, I mean, this, he's been told you're getting ready to die. Give us these things. Going to give them to your son. You know, we talked about that last week, how that knowing that he would be gone, God had began to remember God had told Moses last week to use Eliezer. God was preparing him. He's getting ready to take over. He's had dad's example and he's getting ready now. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the one to fulfill this role. Um, but the clothes are taken off and, and they're given to Eliezer. Verse 27. So Moses did just as the Lord commanded. And they went up to Mount Or in the sight of all the congregation. Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them on Eliezer, Eliezer, his son. And Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eliezer came down from the mountain. So they all went up. Moses and Eliezer come down. Now, when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, all the house of Israel mourned for Aaron for 30 days. And so the chapter ends here with them mourning the death of, of Aaron. Miriam died. Aaron died. Moses gets kicked out of the, the promise. He's not going to get to go to the promised land. The, the, they get, they, they get, they get, you know, they get kind of chumped up by the Edomites. And so in this chapter, what, what can we take away? It's kind of a, you know, one guy I was reading on this, he had titled this chapter Four Sad Stories. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to, I wouldn't want to title the sermon. Here goes Four Sad Stories, y'all, you know, to get ready to be real encouraged by Four Sad Stories. But there is something that we can take away and we can learn. Sometimes we're learning from positives. Sometimes we're going to learn through the negatives. This is definitely one where we're going to learn through the negatives. And one thing is this, this, the years spent in Israel, again, they're, they're laid out over about six chapters of scripture and they're just not very meaningful. Nothing was really accomplished in those years of wandering. They wasted their lives. What we take from that, you guys, make sure you're not wasting your life in disobedience in rebellion, in faithlessness. Um, if, you know, some of us, there, there are people that are, there are believers walking around with kind of this time capsule of a word of the Lord, something God spoke to them to do, and they've never done anything with it. Please, if that's you, please, if there's a word from the Lord, please, if there's something God has called you to do, please be about that. Please redeem the time. Please don't wander around for five years doing nothing with, but, with having a word from the Lord here. That's what they had. They had a promise to get into the promised land and they walked around for 38 years because they wouldn't go in. Don't let that be you. If you have a word from the Lord, something God has spoken to you, stirred up in your heart, revealed to you, please be about that. Be Pursue that. Go after that. Do that. If there's something prohibiting you or keeping you from it, then get rid of whatever's prohibiting you so you can go do that. That, that you wouldn't waste this life, that you would spend this life in the way that God would have you to spend it. It's the most fulfilling way to spend this life is being used by God to do the thing that he created you to do. So we want to learn that from them. That we, wouldn't, we wouldn't waste our lives like they did. Um, we want to learn from Moses' example and his anger and his moment of anger. 
um, that he misrepresented the Lord, that you wouldn't misrepresent the Lord to anybody, to your children, to your wife, to your husband, to your neighbors, to your friends, to anybody that you're ministering to. We wouldn't misrepresent God. I wouldn't make somebody think that because of how I'm responding to them, that God hates them or God's mad at them or, you know, or, or whatever. But we'd be careful about how we represent the Lord to people. He wants to be rightly represented. And that can be two ways. Some people can represent the Lord as a pushover and he's okay with everything. Other people can represent the Lord in, in kind of a harsh manner. Um, I, I, I've seen people represent the Lord and the preaching of the gospel in a way that I'm like, that just doesn't taste like his heart. You know, they, I've heard people preach the gospel like almost God is happy about he can't wait to get his hands on the, the people that are going to hell. You know, like like it's just I'm going to finally get, I'm gonna get you now. You know, like, you know, like like it's his opportunity to get revenge on them. And I'm like, the Bible says that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Like He doesn't rejoice at their funeral. He's bummed out. He missed another. One. That's not his heart. So that we wouldn't misrepresent his heart to people, lost, saved, otherwise. Uh, that we'd be cautious about that. Miriam, we looked at her and just how that when she turned against her brother, we don't see anything else written, right? We don't see anything else written except all the way now she dies. That all the things that she was doing before and all the pro- the positive things that were written, it just seemed that it ceased right there. Just a warning that we'd be cautious about turning inward, that we'd be cautious about turning against the body of Christ, that we wouldn't be fighting with one another. Uh, I pray that God would keep us a church where we're loving. Where the goal is that we love each other. We're pursuing one another love. That we're we're believing the best about one another. That we don't assume the worst. That you know, if I see something that's a little bit. I'm like, I, I just believe the best about you unless you show me otherwise. That's how we want to be living with one another. Just loving each other. When the enemy can get us to turn against each other, he don't even have to fight us. He's like, look, I got them kicking each other's butt. He wins. Uh, we don't want to do that. I don't want to beat you up. I want to build you up. Amen. And so we would learn that from her. And lastly, as we looked at the picture, right, the, the picture was that Christ is the rock. Uh, the rod re- represents the cross. that He was struck at the cross. And the reason that they were just to speak this time, the rock was, you know, Christ would only be struck one time. And, and, and when Christ left, the Holy Spirit would be given to fill us. And it's just free for the asking. God wants to fill us with his spirit. God wants to f- just the, the poor, the, the, the picture in the scriptures of the, the work of the Holy Spirit is that it's, it's torrents of living water. Like it's not a drip. It's not a cup. When God says to be filled with the spirit, it's not like I, I'm, okay, I'm full. I got just enough. You know, but God wants it to be running over. God wants you to be so full with his spirit, so full with his life that, that it's not only enough to sustain you, but it's, there's an overflow. That it's sustaining you and it's spilling over and ministering to people around you. He wants to bring all of us into that place of, of just an overflow of his spirit. And it's there for the asking. Right. You don't have to work for the Holy Spirit. Um, it's not like in some of these churches where you got to work up the Holy Spirit. You know, if we yell really loud, if we sing really loud, if we raise our hands high enough, he'll, he'll fall down on us. It's this simple. Ask for it. Ask him. God, I want more of you. God, would you fill me? God, would you pour out your spirit upon my life? Would you give me more of you? Would it, I want there to be more of you and less of me in my life. And when you pray that, it's not magic, right? When I'm saying, God, fill me with that prayer, there's a recognition that I'm going to be yielding in a greater way. That's how he fills your life. Um, God, fill me. I'm saying, God, as you, you begin to pour in and, and guide me and direct me by your spirit, I'm just going to yield. I'll do whatever you say. And that's what the spirit for life looks like. And so if you're 
dried up, if you feel like you've been depleted, if you got some leaks and some holes and feel like, man, I, I, what all, it all ran out. I need more. Um, then we want to ask the Lord to just renew us in his strength tonight, that he would pour out his spirit upon our lives. Amen. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word. <laughs>